Hello, this is Shelf Check, a podcast for the question, what should I read next? Shelf Check is presented by Arlington Public Library in Arlington, Texas. I am your host today, Linda, with my co-host, Renee. Hey! And Gabby. Hello! We are the staff at your local Woodland West Branch Library. Let's Let's talk talk books. books! Hey guys, guess what month it is? What month? It's March, which means it's... March Madness? No! Oh, it's Women's History Month. So, have y'all read anything good written by women or about women? Anything to show femininity being awesome? Uh, You were talking the other day about your favorites. (gasps) Tell us about that. Oh my gosh. Yes, I normally read young adult books. One of my all-time favorites, which got me into reading books in general, was Suzanne Collins' The Hunger Games books. And, oh, she came out with a new one lately. Okay. That's awesome. What did you like about The Hunger Games? Tell us. I liked the main character is a woman, and she is held in equal regard to men. Like, she came from nothing, and, oh, I'm just a poor hunter that can barely provide and risk her life instead of her sister, so her sister doesn't have to die. They go through a whole arena where they have to kill each other to survive, and she's all awesome, takes care of others. Because there's a girl in there, the main character is reminded of her sister, and she takes care of her. Even after uh, the girl in the arena dies, she does a beautiful funeral in the whole district that the girl was from. Thank you so much. I appreciated what she did. Yeah. What about you, Renee? Well, I tend to read general fiction. I am very focused right now for some reason on portal fiction. I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm reliving my childhood. I don't know. But I've read several recently that I thought were pretty good. The most recent one that I read was by Alex E. Harrow. It's called The 10,000 Doors of January. Mm, and That sounds exciting. It was. It was pretty interesting. It's a girl that can... Uh, She can walk through portals, basically, obviously, because it's a portal book. And the portal can either go to other lands or other times. And she kind of goes on a journey to discover who she is because she's living with someone who's not actually her family. And she kind of discovers herself, discovers who her parents were, and kind of um, reunites, finds her place, and herself at the end. Um, It's got some brutal elements it's definitely for adults but I really enjoyed it I'll have to check that out so recently I've been reading a book by Becca Fitzpatrick called Hush Hush you've been talking about this one all the time this is probably your most favorite this is my all-time favorite book of all times of all times so (laughs) is it from all times yes it is for all times okay okay got it so we we start off with this teenage girl and she's in school and then there's this mysterious guy in her class of course of course but it's not going to turn out how you think it's going to turn out so the question is is the the guy in her class working for good or for evil and then you kind of have to read the end of the story to find out how that ends but she goes through all this discovery of who she is and um kind of where she came from and it all develops her into a strong character in the book oh yes you know what that reminds me of cassandra clare and all of her books and clary she has no idea who she is and her memories of knowing who she really is is hidden from her and not only does she discover that she's this whole other uh breed of human but she also sits there and fights for good against the evil 
fights demons and protects the humans from what they don't know is after them and it's pretty good pretty good series she's written three series so far I personally appreciated the prequel. I wish I, it would have been out before the initial series because you can see so many different links and it just adds up. And then I haven't finished her sequel series yet, though we've had a hard time keeping them on the shelves. So it's a pretty good series if they're flying off the shelves. Mm -hmm. Which series was it? It's the Mortal Instruments Mortal series. Mortal Instruments, okay. That reminds me of another book series that I like, uh, Graceling by Kristen Kishore. I loved that book series. So the main character, what happens when you turn into a teenager is you could either turn into what they call a changeling. Mm -hmm. And the reason why they know you're going through that change is because one of your eyes is a different color than the other. So then she has to figure out what her, her gift is because it's not, everybody's gift is different. So she's thinking her whole life that hers is one thing, but then it turns out at the end that it's a completely different gift than she ever thought. So I think it's a surprise twist ending, which was really awesome, and I definitely recommend that book. Good character growth, too. It 100%. Is, yes. And it's a series, you said? It is most definitely not what you would have thought. I know. Like, like the ending? At just, the end was... You have to read it was such it a surprise. It was like, whoa, you know, moment kind of not thing. Not like mm -hmm. a surprise, like Divergent, that series, <gasps> that had a yes. twist ending. Okay, uh, yes. 100%. Not not the exact same, but it's just as much of a take you back, like, what? This happened? Right. And I'm trying to remember, Gabby, you were saying... Sarah J. Mass. Okay. By far, 110%, my favorite author of all time. She is just amazing. She totally just had a kid a couple years ago, and he's like two. No, we're not going down that rabbit hole. She has written two book series so far. She's written a third, which I think is going to turn into a series. It was written either in 2019 or 2020, and it's called The House of Earth and Blood. That actual adult book, which normally she writes young adult books, but it's just, she's such a great world builder, and House of Earth and Blood most definitely is one of the biggest worlds she's ever built. And it's not as, um, it blows my mind how she makes them. And her, my favorite series that she's written is A Court of Thorns and Roses series. Again, this girl is poor, her sisters are mean, and they don't really... Kind of a Cinderella story, except she has no stepmother. It's a father. His leg got broken by people who came in for tax collection, and he didn't have anything. And so they beat him up instead. So she's this huntress and kills a fae wolf. And this brings down this king from the Fae world, which there's this huge border. And they're like, oh, well, Fae can't come over. Fae can't come over. Well, yes, they can. And apparently this Fae world is like going terribly wrong because this woman is conquering this entire continent. That's what the wolf had um, come over to look for was for help. It's just really good. I'm noticing a, a trend here. It seems like we all kind of like books that have a strong female character in the lead who shows some sort of growth, but also has some sort of power possibly that makes her different, sets her apart, something like that. Yes, definitely in all the books. Uh... I feel like it also helps that these women come from very humble backgrounds or poverty and they know what it is to have nothing and so it's not that their power or their position is just thrown at them and given to them but they work for it and they earn it so 
they know what it is to be powerless so that when they gain power, it's a different circumstance. Because with power comes great responsibility. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And that, that kind of does lead in. My favorite book from last year was um, The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue mm-hmm. by B.E. Schwab. It's a woman who, I believe it was like 1700s France, and she had, you know, no say in anything in her life. And her parents have told her that she's going to marry this old man. She doesn't want to. And so she prays to the gods. And result was that she makes a bargain, and the bargain gives her eternal life. And so she lives forever, but the the uh, payment for it is that nobody remembers her. And so it's kind of about her, you know, the next 300 years of her life that she is um, flitting in and out of people's lives. Because if you think about it, being able to remember someone is what allows somebody to survive, really. So she has to survive by stealing and by her wits because she can't get a job. She can't even rent a hotel room because they forget that she's there. So it's just, it was a really interesting beautiful story, I thought. And um, it transpires that, you know, present day, there's um, a guy who does remember her. And so it's it's an interesting um, exploration of why can he remember her and no one else can. Is it a, was it a mess up? Did the um, creature that made the bargain with her, did it miss this one guy? Is something else going on? Is he not a human? What's happening? So maybe he made the same deal as she did. Maybe he did. And then they can remember each other. Oh. But it was very good. And I I, I think that it, it really illustrates some of the things we were talking about, the trends that we really appreciate in novels with the powerless to powerful and the, the growth and the ability to recognize that in yourself. That sounds really familiar. Was it made into a movie? No, not yet. No? Okay. I think that the movie rights may have been purchased at this point because Ooh. it was it was hugely popular last year. Okay. Which sometimes when things are hyped, I'm not... I'm disappointed, but I was not on this one. (laughs) Speaking of hyped movies, did y'all see Mulan? Yes, I saw part of it up until the point where she was using all of her chi in battle and I fell asleep. So Okay, so you just (laughs) fell asleep at the best part. I mean, it's it's fine. It's not like you just missed the whole like ending of it, which literally I think makes the whole movie so much better. Whatever. It's okay. I feel like it's important to note that we all three agreed to watch this movie so that we could talk about it today. And the only one who followed through completely is Gabby. So thank you for that, Gabby. You're thank welcome. You, Gabby. You're welcome. <laughs> and I must say, I loved it. Like, I was a huge fan and I grew up on the animated Mulan movie. And so I was a little scared because I've seen all these remakes and some of them are good. Some of them don't meet my expectations. And of course, some you can't. But we're looking at you, Aladdin. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well I'm not even going there. That's a whole rabbit hole. Like, because Jasmine also is, my, I guess maybe I'm just a Disney fanatic. I love Disney. And they hurt me. They hurt me bad. But not with Mulan. Mulan was really, really good. And I've heard a lot of people say, oh, well, they didn't like it because her chi reminded them of Star Wars. And I just, I loved the chi part because it's very true to their culture where unlocking all of your chi just, it's a whole enlightenment process and it's, it's beautiful. I, I love it. But her being able to not be stuck in the feminine standards of women during their time. I did I did get to the part where her father told her to suppress her chi mm-hmm. and not show it out in public. Um, but I didn't see anybody else in that video 
um, in the village mm-hmm. doing anything related to Chi, even the boys. Which isn't that surprising. That is really surprising. So hmm. she was the only one, like one big scene, she was chasing the chicken and she basically floated down from the top of this building and hmm. everyone like everyone looked building. away. Yes, everyone looked away and didn't see how she came down and they expected her to fall flat on, on, on the ground. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was just... It was amazing. Why was everybody looking away? I mean... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and even the other uh, female that has unlocked all of her chi and stuff like that, she's still seen as lower. Oh, well, you're just a witch. Oh, well, you're you're nothing without a man. And no, she's pretty awesome. She can kick your tush any day of the week. Yeah, but... that was exciting to find another one that was using her full potential. Mm-hmm. Um, and just in the fact... And I didn't get to the part, but she did sacrifice herself at the end yeah so that was a very touching moment i have nothing to contribute (laughs) (laughs) okay well is there there a movie that that we've all seen that you can contribute uh well i think that we've done pretty well with some of the female-led superhero movies um some better than others i thought i actually really enjoyed wonder woman um the first one the second one i haven't seen the second I haven't seen the second one either. I appreciated the 80s content just because 80s. Uh, hello. I love the 80s. <laughs> Me too. Because you're stuck in it. But, okay. Wow. You're wow. welcome. Thanks, Gabby. You're welcome. <laughs> Anything I can do to contribute. It's worth <laughs> noting that Gabby's half our age. Yeah. Oh. Well, I gave her a list of 80s movies to watch, and she's... I got through three. Like three. Three movies. Yeah. There's nothing like 80s movies. But I back to Wonder don't. Woman. <laughs> Back to Wonder Woman, as, ladies. As Gabby's like, well, they're not great. <laughs> they're not great. <laughs> but Wonder Woman was great. I love the Amazon warrior concept. Wonder Woman's awesome. But... I've always enjoyed the character of Wonder Woman and to see it fulfilled in a way that I appreciated, um, I think was just like, it just made my little geeky heart yes. ecstatic. Swell with pride. Yes. I... <laughs> they did Wonder Woman good. <laughs> Yeah, I know. <laughs> Wonder Woman was pretty awesome. So mm-hmm. she was she was powerful from the get go. Mm-hmm. Um, but she just, kind. She, yes. Kind. I appreciate them taking th- uh, characteristics that were stereoty- stereotypically seen as feminine and weak and making them strong. Yeah, mm-hmm. turning them around and and I think that that's yeah a great characteristic of Wonder Woman. Right. Right. So on the other side, what about Captain Marvel? That I didn't actually mind Captain Marvel. Um, I know that the two of you were not as appreciative, but well, it maybe didn't help that it was the eighties. Yeah, it was it was kind of weird. But then why did she go back into space? Because she was so powerful, she is needed. Because she's like Star Trek. But she was also needed on Earth as well. Well, Shout out to Captain Janeway. Yeah. My dad's obsessed. I love. I think I've seen everything on Star Trek that's on Netflix. I'm not kidding. I'm okay with it. It's so good. No, but oh, another TV show with women is Outlander, and I've enjoyed it. I, I've been meaning to read the books, and my friend has read them, and she's like, "Oh my gosh, it's so much better than the TV show." I'm like, as it should be. Yes, of course the books are going to be better. Yes, because you can imagine everything and you don't have to pay for it. Yeah, use your own imagination mm-hmm. and come up with the characters. But so that, that's a pretty great series because I'm like your portals, mm-hmm. whole portal yeah. between times. And I really enjoy historical fiction. You know what? I've actually just finished a, um, a historical fiction novel. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, it's new this year. It was called The Paris Library. <gasps> and it's about um, the American Library of Paris during World War II. And so it was during the uh, Nazi occupation of Paris. Okay. And it talks about how, and I think that it was based on true, um, like, like people's experiences during the war because some of the people were actual people and some of them were not. But it's um, it talks about how the library continued to deliver books to Jews um, despite the fact that it could mean their lives. And um, I mean, as somebody who works in a library, um, it's pretty inspirational, especially during a pandemic, you know, feeling like we're we're out there on the front line trying to continue to provide a service that we see as essential. And so I, I can um, I feel a camaraderie with them, not that I'm comparing in any way Nazi occupation of Paris <laughs> to a pandemic in no way. <laughs> but I do understand the desire to continue to offer a service to people despite any kind of risk that you might be feeling. Mm -hmm. Yes. Definitely. So that was awesome. Um, and as the only one who reads any kind of nonfiction in this group. No shame. <laughs> I do read cookbooks, but that doesn't really count. count. Well, I feel like that counts. <gasps> I enjoy cookbooks too. <laughs> I don't. I don't cook. I just finished and these two are so tired of hearing me talk about it because no. I've made them listen to the story like 20 times now. I just finished Come Fly the World by Julia Cook. Oh, <laughs> I still think it's cool. And it's about um, the flight attendants or stewardesses as they were called then um, during the jet set age, uh, Pan Am specifically. And the author sat down and interviewed, um, I think about five different flight attendants from that time period. And it talked about a lot of the things that I've seen before in books along those lines. Um, the the dichotomy of being a woman at a time where you didn't have a whole lot of rights or a lot of um, abilities to make your own way outside of the home. Um, for example, Pan Am required that their flight attendants be a particular height, a particular weight. They couldn't be married. They had to have a particular look. They only wanted pretty people. They also had like 10% of them that were uh, had graduate degrees. Oh, so wow. they wanted you to be smart, pretty, and perfect, basically. Oh, wow. But I did not know that. it also opened doors for these women because they were then allowed to, they were just coming out of a time when you could even be somewhere unchaperoned. And so to be able to still be looked at with respect and to fly around the world and stay on your own was a, a brand of freedom that a lot of these women had never seen. Right. And so I've read things like that before, but what this book touched on that I had not heard about yet was the role that these private companies played in uh, transportation in and out of Vietnam during the war. And so specifically, there were flight attendants based in Hong Kong who would um, fly uh, soldiers into Vietnam during the war and then fly them out for R&R &R and then back. Oh, wow. And so that's all they would ever do is fly them back and forth soldiers. And so I thought that was really interesting and, and an aspect I had never heard. And then following along with that, once the U.S. pulled out of Vietnam, they continued to fly flights to try to get people out of the country. And so there was one story in the book about how when they landed, they didn't even stop the plane. They were told to go to a hangar, but they just kept going. They put the um, stairs down and the flight attendants actually got out on the stairs and were pulling people up oh, to get them wow. on the plane to get them out of Vietnam. That's crazy. Um, and then my favorite, which is kind of at the culmination of the book, is they did flights to get the babies 
out of Vietnam. So again, I am not super familiar with Vietnam and the war, not the country. And so the American soldiers over there, a lot of them had children with mm -hmm. local women. And so when the U.S. withdrew so abruptly, the children were left there with their moms. And so some of them ended up in orphanages and others just left were left in poverty. Mm -hmm. And so there were several flights of babies back from Vietnam. Um, they said that they were all orphans, but then just in paperwork later, it turned out they weren't. They were just given to take, to be taken to the U.S., Anything for a chance to get out of Vietnam. Right, for a chance to live. Oh, wow. And so um, the several of the flight attendants that were chronicled throughout the book were on one of these planes. And they were, uh, like, all the seats had bassinets, two babies to a bassinet. There were bassinets underneath the seats. And they just filled the this plane with babies. There was, like, a line, an assembly line, where people were just handing them over. I could only imagine. And so I just, it's such a... Um, a deep part of what they did and all I ever heard was the fluff and so I went in expecting fluff and that's fine I enjoy fluff like the next girl <laughs> but um to hear that depth and and those stories I thought was really fascinating so I highly recommend that one that's the last book I read dang wow did uh, you have any other books you wanted to talk about um Gabby or closing thoughts I don't know. I just think that at least for young adult books, there's, I don't think I've ever truly read something written by a man. <laughs> and like, I feel like that's not understood or I, I don't know, but I've never run across a badly written female written book ever. Yes. Don't ruin it for me, okay? <laughs> I've gotten lucky so far. I'm very happy that you've gotten this lucky. <laughs> <laughs> Those were some super exciting books yeah. that we were talking about today. Strong women, uh, character development. Uh, amazing stories. Amazing stories, yes. Really good. And with that, I want to say thank you for tuning in to this edition of Shelf Check. Music for the podcast is Wonderful Adventures by Jillian Von Narb, under license from First Com Music Incorporated. Production and editing by Mark Dillenbaugh. And a special thanks to library director Norma Zuniga. Take care and keep reading. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.